And he got to celebrate that. Just every word just drips with meaning here. Jesus Christ would be the Passover lamb for us. He would be the one sacrificed and his blood would be shed for us. And all of that was put in place and celebrated for almost 1,500 years until, it came, until the time came that he celebrated with his disciples. And the next day, he would, his blood would be shed and it would bring deliverance to his people. Okay, but anyway... They share the Passover dinner together, and while they do it, Jesus brings something new into the Passover dinner, um, some, some new custom, and he says this in Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 26. It says, While they were eating, Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and offered it to them, saying, Drink it, all of you. This is my blood. The blood, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let me pause there for just a moment. Jesus was basically telling, it was, it was instituting something new, something we all now call the Lord's Supper or the Lord's Table uh, or communion, whatever. Uh, but anyway, it, this is something new. This is something that wasn't done as part of the Passover dinner. And boy, we could go into parts of the Passover dinner. I could show you all the foreshadowing that there is about Christ Jesus, but there just isn't enough time um, to, to cover all those things. But this is something new that he was doing. And he was t- taking the bread and said, this is my body, take it and eat it. This is my blood, take and drink it. Why in the world was he saying these things? And man, I, you know, the disciples spent a lot of time being just absolutely obscure, oblivious to what was going on. I, I can only imagine what they were thinking. Wow, you know, what is this about? Uh, but he's asking them. He hands out the, the, the bread. And he says, this is my body. Take and eat it. This is my blood. Take and drink it. What an odd custom. What an odd thing to do. But basically what what's he's saying is this, is that my body and my blood is going to be a sacrifice for you, and you have to accept it. You have to accept that this is the way for forgiveness of sin. You have, to, you have to be willing to accept this is the way for salvation. You have to be willing to accept this. Um, let me just pause here for just a moment. This is an important part of Christianity, that you and I believe that there is no, no way of life. There is no way through, through good behavior. There is no uh, good deeds that are good enough to save me. The only way that I can know God's salvation I have to accept the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. I have to know that that sacrifice was for my sin, and I have to accept it. And it's a difficult thing for some people. It's a difficult thing for some folks to get their minds around, but is that how it really works? I really don't have to work. I really don't have to do all these things. Well, is that even fair? Well, no, it's not fair from the beginning. It's not fair that Jesus Christ suffered and died, but the way of salvation is the acceptance of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and that alone. Amen? Amen. I want to ask you this morning, I I pray every one of us here has, but if you've never come to the point that you've accepted the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, that you've accepted that gift for you, this is your day. This is the day that you can come and you can accept that gift that he gave for you and for me and you can accept his sacrifice, his payment for your sin and you can know what it is to walk in the Lord under his forgiveness and his favor uh, for the rest of your life. Amen? All you who are believers, amen? It is true. Um, you can walk with him in purity that, wasn't, that was bought for you by his blood and his body. Anyway, verse 29. I tell you, I will not drink of this, the, this fruit of this vine from... I'm sorry, from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Foreshadowing may be a banquet, right? Jesus talked about the parable, there was a parable about a banquet, and he says, I went and invited people and they didn't come, so I went and I invited all the bums, and the bums came. 
guess what? We're the bums, right? We, we get to come to the party. We get to come to the banquet. But listen, it's not so much about us being bums. It's about the graciousness of the host. He says, I invited the people who had no right to be there. I invited the people who, who had no merit on their own, and I invited them. But listen, one day you and I are going to sit at the banquet table with our Father, and Jesus says at his right hand is the host, saying, these are the people that I bought, that I paid for by my broken body and by my blood that was spilled. And, that, and then we're going get, to get to all eat the wedding banquet together there in the presence of the Father, in the presence of the Son and the Holy Spirit, all of us together enjoying and celebrating what the Son has done. That's going to be a good day. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, Brenda's cooking is good, but it, right, there's nothing in comparison to what's going to be that day. Amen? That'll be a beautiful thing. I, what I wanted to get to, though, is to show you something here at the end of this, this uh, passage. Verse 30. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Okay? I, we could go on, and every, really, every, every verse is just dripping, just saturated with meaning. But um, have you ever wondered, what is it they sang? Was it here they just celebrated the Lord's Passover? And here, I'm sure the disciples had no idea really what was coming, even though Jesus told them over and over. I mean, you read Matthew with me. He told them over and over and over again, and still they seem really shocked about what's happening. But anyway, um, and, and he's telling them what's going to happen to the Passover. Jesus knows what's going to happen. He knows that the Passover was all to set up or to foreshadow what he was going to do for all of mankind to be the Passover lamb so that we would have some ability to understand what it is that he did. And, uh, and, and, and he eats the meal with them, and he gives them the Lord's Supper, and now he's about to give his life. He's about to be this, this, the Passover lamb. He's about to be the, 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 the broken body and the spilled, poured out blood. And then before they go, they sing a hymn together. Well, in, in Jewish custom, they would, sing, um, they would sing Psalms 113 and 114 before the Passover meal. And after the Passover meal, they would read and, and they would sing together Psalm 115 through 118. Um, and I don't have a lot of time to cover with you guys because this is just so rich. But I did want you to read with me this morning to, in uh, Psalm chapter 117, please. If you would turn there and just listen to these words that they sang together as, uh, as they went out from here into the Garden of Gethsemane. What happens in Gethsemane? You can say it. It's okay. It's two-way, really. What happens in Gethsemane? The first thing. Jesus prays, right? He prays, and he says, Lord, if there's any way, take this cup from me. What is the cup? It's a cup of suffering. It's a, it's a cup of, of, of sacrifice. It's the cup of, of, uh, of, of pain and, and of, of, of being mocked and spit upon. He said, if there's a way to take this cup from me, he prays three times, and then he's betrayed, right? So anyway, that's coming. Jesus knows it. But before they go, listen to the hymn. Listen to one, what they sang. And I, I've kind of picked one. This is actually the shortest chapter in the Bible uh, and a beautiful passage. It says this, Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Part of the psalm, part of the hymn that they sang together that evening before Jesus would go to the, uh, to, uh, to the cross, before he'd go to the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, but, and, and they sang that together before they came, and as, long as, as well as uh, other passages in, in uh, Psalm 115 through 118. But listen to those words. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples, for great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. All right, uh, here's what I wanted to point out to you. 
Um, in verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you people. The question is, when this was written by the psalmist, when this was written, uh, the, the, when, these, when this psalm was written, was back before Christianity was Christianity. This was written to, to Israelites. This was written for them to come and worship God together. Why is it that it says, worship, uh, or, or, praise the Lord, all you nations, and extol him, all you peoples? Why in the world would all peoples celebrate the, the God of the Israelites? Well, the reason is, is because, of course, the God of the Israelites would not be just the God of the Israelites, but he would be the God of all nations and everyone who come to follow in Jesus Christ. Um, and let me go back just a little bit. Um, Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, this was God's plan from the beginning, that the Israelites would be the priests to bring all nations to God, that they would be the light to everyone else, that they would be able to see who God is and see him work and see his mighty deeds and see his, his love for him and his deeds for him and that they would recognize God's love and his faithfulness to them and that they would lead all the rest of the world uh, into relationship with him. But of course, they couldn't do it. They needed another priest. They needed one who would be the priest, Jesus Christ, of course. Uh, but anyway, this was the plan from the beginning. Way back in, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, when the very first promises that God's making to any of the patriarchs, he promises to Abraham, and he says in, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, he says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And listen to what he says, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. How is it that you can bless everyone in the whole world? Well, you and I can't, right? I don't care who you are. You and I can't do it. But God said, I will, I, my promise is I will bless all nations by you or through you. Well, how did he do that? Because eventually, Abraham, over generations, there would be born a son, right, who would be the one who would be the one that we celebrate to be Jesus Christ. But I want to point out to you that this was God's plan for the beginning, is that all peoples would praise him all peoples would extol him because of his great love and his faithfulness. But this idea that Gentiles would see God's hand and his gracious acts for his people and hear their praises and celebrate what God had done for them for the, through the Israelites. So when you read the Old Testament, you need to know that whenever God poured down his plagues on Egypt and very stubbornly loved them, though they were idol worshipers and fell away from him over and over, and they didn't have faith in him, they fell, found faith in idols over and over and over again, you and I are supposed to look at that and say, what a loving God, what an unfailing love he had for them. What incredible love he had for them that he loved them no matter what. And no matter how faithless they were, he never let his faithfulness of them go. It, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing, a beautiful thing. As you read the Old Testament, that's there for you. But not only that, in the New Testament, we see uh, the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans. We're going to flip through the scriptures a little bit this morning. Forgive me. Romans chapter 15, please. Romans chapter 15, we're going to read and pick up in verse 8. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, truth so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. What's he saying there? Well, exactly what I said just a moment ago. That, that even the Gentiles would see what God would do among the Israelites and see that his promises, he remained faithful to bring about his promises regardless of their faithful, faithlessness and that the, even the Israelites would come to glorify the God for his mercy, for his love. Yeah? 
And so look what he says then. He then takes and quote, starts quoting parts of the Old Testament and saying, this was foreshadowed, this was told, even the Old Testament, that, that the Gentiles would see the God of the Israelites as a God of mercy and love and grace. And uh, this first passage he quotes is from 2 Samuel. He says, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. The next one is from Deuteronomy 32, and he, and when, and he says, again, it says, rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And then next in verse 11, it says, and again, Paul writes, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. Does that sound familiar? Here's what's kind of cool. That's Psalm 117, verse 1 that we just read. Okay, so here we go. It was, uh, it was, it was a psalm in the Old Testament that, that the Hebrews uh, 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 sang at, with, uh, with every Passover. They would, sing this, they would sing this verse amongst others. Praise the Lord, all you peoples or Gentiles. Let the peoples extol him. Right, that was from the Old Testament. It was from the writings of David, and it was and it was there. And then Jesus actually, with his disciples, uh, uh, proclaimed this verse uh, there after they had finished the Passover dinner. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, let all the peoples extol him. And here it is in Romans chapter 15, and Paul says, "This is proof of the fulfillment of what God had been saying from the beginning that the Gentiles would worship and praise and extol the Lord God." Yeah. And he says it's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And again in Isaiah, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. It's an incredible thing. The Israelites really did think they kind of had the corner on the market of God, you know? And they had a, a real... Uh, national pride. You can see that whenever they want to anoint Jesus King and they want to, want to you know, put him in charge and say, yeah, free us from the hands of the Romans. And they were very proud of it, but God had a much bigger picture. He said, no, I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring all peoples to myself. I'm going to forgive all of their sin. Everyone who would come to me, every one of them, Jew, Gentile, it doesn't matter. All of them who would come to me, I'm going to ask them to come and they're going to recognize me as a God of love and mercy and greatness that he is in all of the Old Testament. Um, it's a beautiful picture. Anyway, of course, the, 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 the big climax here is that the Israelites had failed over and over again. They've been, God sold them off into exile. They'd been taken from their own countries. They intermarried with other groups there. He used and he said this in the Old Testament through the minor prophets, well, and major prophets too. And he told them, I'm going to go take you away. I'm going to take you into foreign nations. You're going to be sold off like a slave into other places. And despite his judgment for them, he was faithful to his promises. And he sent the Savior that he told them about. He sent the Son that he told them about. He said, I'm going to send you a prophet like Moses. I'm going to send you a king, a shepherd king like David. I, I, I'm going to send you a, a leader like, like Moses. And, and I'm going to send you one who's like one of these prophets, and he's going to speak my truth. And over and over and over again, he tells them what he's going to do. And there's just too much. There's hundreds of them, too much for us to cover here. But every one of them, he's faithful to bring about by bringing in his son, Jesus Christ. And you and I can look at the faithlessness of the Israelites and say, but God was faithful. Which brings me back to uh, Psalm chapter 17, verse 1, because in Psalm chapter 17, verse 1, we get to use one of that, uh, Psalm 117, did I say that? In Psalm 117, verse 1, let me turn there again. Psalm 17, praise the Lord, all you nations, extol him, all you people. And it says in verse 2, why? For, his, for great is his love toward us, 
oftentimes, 245 times in the Old Testament, the word for love, for God's love for his people or people's love for other people, the word is chesed, right? Or chesed or hesed, however you want to say it. It's that Hebrew kind of hard H sound, right? Chesed. Um, And you remember what the word chesed means, right? It's not just love. It, it, it has the idea of a, what we just sang about. It's an unfailing love. It has behind it the idea that, uh, that it's a stubborn love, a love that's it's translated in the, in the, in the Old Testament as, as mercy or kindness or loving kindness in the King James Version. Um, and the amazing thing about this love is it has the idea that it's, it's not just a love that's based on the, the, the lovability of the person who's being loved, but it's based on a decision of the lover. The, the, the one who loves says, I'm going to love you, and I'm going to have a stubborn love for you. I'm going to have a faithful love for you. It might be translated better, a loving loyalty or a loving devotion. It's that love that carries God through, that he doesn't ever take and completely forsake the Israelites, but he's always saving a remnant of them because his love is stubborn. And no matter how much they walk in disobedience, he's always loving them. He he can never get over them. He never allows himself to. He's always showing his kindness and his mercy and his grace for them, no matter what they do. That's the kind of love the Father has for the Israelites. And that's the kind of love that you and I are supposed to look at in the Old Testament and say, I understand New Testament agape love because I can see his chesed love in the Old Testament. Does that sound really bad when I say that in the deal? His chesed love in the, in the Old Testament. It is a stubborn, unfailing love. No matter what they did, he never stopped loving them. No matter what they did, he fulfilled all of his promises to them. That is the kind of love that the Father has loved. And that's the kind of love that you and I are supposed to look at and say, praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love toward us and and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. It's a beautiful thing. The Lord didn't love the Israelites because they were such lovable people. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, it says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Holy means what? Set apart, brilliant, yes, don't forget. You are a people set apart to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, listen to this, his treasured possession. Isn't that a beautiful picture? He said, I picked you to be my treasured possession, the thing that I treasured, the thing that I loved. And of all the groups of the people of the world, I chose you to show my love and my mercy and my grace to, my unfailing, stubborn, loyal, loving loyalty and loving devotion. I chose you. That's a beautiful thing. A beautiful thing. The only hope that Israel ever had was in that chesed love that God had for them. And let me tell you this morning, the only hope that you and I ever had, because we were certainly no better than the Israelites, right, is that God would have that kind of love for us. And he does. For everyone who is in Christ Jesus, for everyone who's accepted his body, for everyone who's accepted his blood, for everyone he loves, who loves his son, the Father will love him, right, with that same loving, loyal devotion. So here's the incredible thing, Christian. The Israelites wandered away, squandered what God had given them, walked away in disobedience, and God's love for them never changed. 
Now, at the same time, I need to tell you, when they walked in disobedience, there were consequences for their sin. Amen? It's true. But here's the great thing for us, is that Jesus Christ has paid the consequence for our sin. We may still go through consequences for our sin, but, but the punishment that sin brought was all laid upon him, right? And we walk in the, under the favor of the Lord because of what Jesus Christ has done from here on out. That, that chesed love is that agape love in the New Testament, that God loves us perfectly, regardless of how imperfect we are. His love for us is unfailing, regardless of how much failures we are, right? That is the kind of love that we found. And that's why it says, praise the Lord, all you nations, extol him, all you peoples, for great is his love toward us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. That night, Jesus Christ, after he said these words and some others, would walk out of that upper room into the Garden of Gethsemane, and he would demonstrate the Father's love and loving loyalty and faithfulness and that he would give his, this life of his son for you and me. Amen. If you've not known that love before, if you've not known that loving loyalty that God has, you can experience it by coming to know his son, Jesus Christ, and the sacrifice that he brought for you and me. Amen. I'll tell you how I'd like to close today. I'd like for us, could you splash back uh, Psalm 117 back up on the projector. I'd like for us to go out and read this together and uh, just remember this is pretty amazing stuff but this was spoken by generations of Israelites and uh, as they finished the Passover dinner knowing what the Lord had God had done to, to deliver them. And you and I know because we can see with New Testament eyes right, uh, that this is what the Lord God had done and had prepared for Jesus Christ and he demonstrated his love for us and so we will praise him and extol him because of his great love and his faithfulness that he's shown the Israelites and now us. Amen? So let's join. And uh, Would you stand with me and join me as we, uh, as we speak today and remember generations of Israelites and our Lord Jesus Christ, who also was a Jew, right, uh, who said these words the night before he was betrayed. Would you say it with me? Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Y'all have a great week. Thanks for being here today.